for tuning in to the archive brought to you by the Mail Tribune. I'm Alyssa Corman, and I'll be sharing the news with you from 100 years ago in the splendid city of Metford and Jackson County at large in 1918. Today, a request goes out for newspapers. Bootleggers will be in for a rough road when attempting to smuggle in liquor. Some tips on avoiding forest fires and a local attorney's car is searched for booze. So stay tuned for all this and a whole lot more. Liquor never leads to good things, as two local men found out the hard way. In the police court today, Emil Darrowbaum, a well-known local character, and George Armitage, a ranch laborer, were found guilty of intoxication after a number of witnesses had testified against them. Each was fined $15 in costs. They were badly intoxicated on the streets last night and raised trouble at a rooming house. Officer Timothy placed them under arrest. Darrowbaum, who is an elderly man, will probably have to languish in jail for lack of money to pay his fine. Moving pictures are nothing short of magic, and they could be getting even more miraculous. Roy G. Patch, moving picture operator at the Page Theater, is the author of an invention which it is claimed will revolutionize the motion picture industry. He has been at work on the patent for several years and has just succeeded in bringing it to the active attention of a large manufacturing concern in the East. The invention makes possible flickerless moving pictures. A call has gone out to send home papers to the boys at the front. Overseas, where American soldiers are facing the enemy, a letter from home is most welcome. It is the strongest home tie. It helps to keep the morals of the American soldier at the topmost point. Next in point of importance is the old home newspaper. From this, he learns what is happening among his friends. It is most important that the home newspaper should follow him across the seas. Persons who wish to get this work of cheer to the boys from this community may do so by subscribing to this newspaper and having it addressed to the American YMCA, 12 Rue de Gassou, Paris, France. The National War Work Council of the YMCA will see that the paper is forwarded to the soldier at the front. It will be sent to a camp where boys from this state are stationed. War work secretaries in YMCA huts overseas state that the hardest thing they have to combat is homesickness. The lads are yearning from news from their loved ones. The letter is first in importance. The old home newspaper fills the void in the absence of the letter. You can help maintain the morale of the American troops in France by sending them this paper. Think it over. And speaking of our boys over there, the graduating class of the high school now has only 11 boys and may lose several others by enlistments before commencement day. The class has only 47 members in all. It has 16 young men in service, four of whom enlisted this year. The last to enlist for war service 
was Merle Willits. We can help to beat the Kaiser if we eat more potatoes and save wheat. It's so easy, everyone should be able to do this bit. Oregon has 500 carloads of surplus potatoes, say $250,000 worth at retail, which will spoil by summer if not eaten. Our soldiers and the allies on the blood-drenched fields of France must have 75 to 80 million bushels of wheat between now and harvest time, or quit fighting. Potatoes are cheap. We must eat them and send the wheat to the front. We are actually not eating as many potatoes this year as last, when potato prices were sky high. <laughs> Isn't that just like human nature? To use this Oregon surplus, every person in Oregon over 10 years of age should eat about half a bushel of potatoes more in the next three months than he usually eats. There are 270 meals in three months, and this means we should add an average of nearly two ounces of potatoes to every one of our meals every day until July. Can we do it? Well, the Germans eat three times as many potatoes as we do. They are literally winning the war on potatoes. Shall we do less? We must fight the Kaiser man for man, shell for shell, and potato for potato. Think of the wheat Oregon can save by eating her surplus potatoes. Hotels in many cases are serving only insignificant portions of potatoes, and these wretchedly cooked. The patriotic hotel and restaurant man from now on will serve lots of potatoes, attractively cooked, and at a reasonable price. If he does not do so, Remind him of his duty. It's soon going to be hard sledding for bootleggers trying to schlep booze into Oregon from California. Sheriff Jennings states that 20 automobiles have been stopped on the Siskiyou grade in the past two days and searched for booze, without finding any liquor. A permanent camp of deputies was established today, and henceforth the road will be guarded night and day, so that it will be hard sledding for the bootlegger and the citizen seeking to import joy water. In addition, the newly organized state police will aid in the effort to enforce the prohibition law, both on the highway and on the trains. We've had an abundance of lovely sunshine and fair weather. But it seems all this sunshine, and subsequently very little rain, may come at a cost, as the driest of seasons increases our chance of forest fires. On account of early dry weather, several forest fires have already occurred in this vicinity due to the burning of brush areas or slashings when no fire trail had first been made around the area to be burned to prevent the fire from spreading. We have one case in mind where forest officers and a crew of men put in a whole night of fighting a fire which is spread over a good-sized area. It cost money and labor, all of which may have been saved for a better purpose if only a little foresight and judgment had been exercised by the party who started the fire. 
If everyone having slashings to burn in or near the National Forest will report it in advance to the Forest Service Office, found in the Federal Building in Medford, or by phone at 236, someone connected with that office will gladly cooperate and give all the assistance possible. Anyone having a slashing not near the National Forest will be rendered similar assistance by state or county forestry officials if they will request it of W.T. Grieve or Lincoln McCormick of the Jackson County Fire Patrol Association. Due to the fact that the smoky atmosphere renders it difficult to see a small smoke any considerable distance, it has been suggested and is urgently requested that every person appoint himself or herself a committee of one as a lookout man, woman, or child. And if a fire is sighted, telephone the Forest Service Office at Medford at phone number 236 or the district ranger or lookout man in your vicinity. Give the location of the fire as nearly as possible, your name and your phone number. In addition to this, if a small fire is seen near where you are, go to it at once and corral it by scraping a good trail around it which will prevent the fire from spreading. If the fire is on a steep hillside, corral the upper side of the fire first. Make it so there can be but little or no chance for the fire to jump the trail. After a trail a foot or so wide, all scraped down to the mineral soil, has been made around the fire, it may also be necessary to dig a sort of ditch along the lower side of the fire to catch burning chunks or pine cones that might roll down. On fairly level ground, one can easily handle a small fire if there is not a strong wind blowing. A few days ago, a little five-year-old boy spotted a forest fire and reported it at once with the result that the fire was put under control in only a short time. Every person intending to enter the forest and who expects to build campfires, and everyone living in or near the forest who wishes to burn slashings and the like, may save himself much unnecessary trouble and worry if he will read the Oregon Forest Fire Laws. These laws are written in a little booklet, vest pocket size, and should be read by every Oregonian living in or near the forest, or contemplating a trip into the woods. The booklet also contains extracts from the Oregon game laws. Anyone may get it by writing for a copy to F.E. Elliott, State Forester in Salem. Or copies may be had at the U.S. Forest Service office in the Federal Building here in Metford. It has been found necessary to require users of some of the national forests to get permits before building campfires. It is hoped that it will not be found necessary to pass such stringent regulations over our forests in Southern Oregon. For many of us, enjoy a short trip into the mountains where, at present, we are free to roam at will through the wildwood as long as we recognize and respect the rights of others and our duty as good citizens. Dinner on a train? Sounds lovely! It has been announced through the Southern Pacific's Commissary Department that trains 13 and 54 will soon commence to serve regular meals in their dining car service after the fashion of the boarding house instead of the a la carte plan 
which has featured the dining car service on these trains since it was first instituted. Breakfast will be 35, 60, and 65 cents. Luncheon will be 50 cents, and dinner, 65 and 85 cents. In adopting the departure, the railroad company's official announced that the new plan will affect a great saving, both of time and food, in their dining cars. Our final story today is quite a shocker. Officers search the district attorney's auto for booze. Yes, that attorney. Unknowingly hardened special deputies of Sheriff Jennings, who have been placed on duty up in the Siskiyous to apprehend bootleggers and persons returning from California with liquor for their own use, stopped County Prosecutor Roberts last Sunday night, searched the car he was in, jostled up against him, and otherwise mauled his dignity. Of course, they found no booze, or even a trace of it and they will probably not know who they stopped until they hear this story. Mr. and Mrs. Roberts and another well-known Medford couple made the trip to Wairika and returned Sunday with several other equally well-known Medford couples. The party was in three autos. On the return trip, the cars were strung out some distance apart and a prominent fruit man and his wife were in the lead. Near the summit of the mountain, the first car was stopped by the guards and searched. The fruit man, knowing that Mr. and Mrs. Roberts were in the second car, informed the guards that they had better examine the following car as its occupants were very noisy and probably had lots of booze. Then along came Mr. and Mrs. Roberts. At once, the alert deputies jumped out and halted their car and made the occupants get out while they searched it thoroughly. Every once in a while, the deputies would bump up against Mr. Roberts, evidently by accident, in hopes of feeling a bottle in his pocket or concealed about him. All this time, the prosecutor made no protest, nor did he reveal his identity. Almost every car that came over the Siskiyou Sunday night and there were many, was stopped and searched. Well, folks, that's all I've got for you this week. Thanks for listening. Remember, these news stories have been brought to you by the Mail Tribune, a weekly series featuring news items that were drawn from the archives of the Mail Tribune from 100 years ago. You can find more stories like this in the MT100 column in the newspaper, or online at mailtribune.com. And be sure to follow us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and YouTube. If you like this podcast or have something you'd like to share with me, let me know in the comments or on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Have a swell day and check back next week for more stories from the archive. <laughs>